Today on the show, we explore the most caring, compassionate, murderous, protective, loving, sociopathic father, Joel. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence. And my name's Leo. And Leo. Yeah. We're finally at what should be one of our favorite episodes. The big boy. The big man. <laughs> we've been, we, we basically have been ranting about this in every <laughs> single episode, whether or not it's actually made it past, uh, like, post-production we, we got feedback on a past episode that was basically you talk too much about joel and it's like well you know what screw you make a fucking episode about we're gonna it. make a fucking episode <laughs> so yeah to, on today's episode we are diving deep into the world of joel uh on the last episode we discussed david uh fantastically and we had such a blast it was so much fun listen to the episode if you haven't already and Really honestly, I was a little bit surprised during that conversation about how similar he feels in many ways to Joel. Um, and then on the second episode of this series, we took a close look at Ellie and sort of this episode's going to be similar to that in how we explore who Joel is and what we think about him. Um, which, you know, if we were playing like Super Mario Brothers, is a pretty clear, clear conversation. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mario's the hero. It's great, but this is uh, this is a little different. <laughs> it's just a little, <laughs> just a little, little different. When you said Super Mario Brothers, I instantly thought that David would definitely be Luigi. <laughs> what a oh my god! What a he Twilight like, Zone version like of the Luigi. video game. He looks like Luigi. Wears a green jacket, right? <laughs> Sometimes blue. Sometimes blue, depending on. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's start off. I, what I kind of how I want to frame this conversation. We can talk a little bit about uh, Joel's timeline, right? Like the early life of Joel, uh, pre Last of Us. We can talk a little bit about Last of Us at the end. We'll talk a little bit about what we know about his future after the timeline of Last of Us. Maybe we'll discuss his psycho profile, right? Like who he is, what kind of person is he, and then we'll share some final thoughts. It'll be a a grand old ball, just a just a fun party. Um, but to start off his childhood. Yeah. So Joel was born September 26th, uh, probably around eight, 1984 ish in Texas. And he had his, his brother, Tommy, and we don't really know a ton about his early childhood, but he mentions that he wanted to be a singer when he was younger, um, which is hilarious and yeah. sweet and nice. Cause really it's like the last thing in the world I could imagine him doing. But eventually, he lived with his daughter, uh, Sarah, in a two-story home near Austin, Texas. And he was married for a brief time to Sarah's mother, and we don't necessarily know what happened with that. But um, it seems like he works really long hours as a carpenter or in uh, construction, but he does seem to have kind of a complete life with his daughter. Um, you know, he's got lots of... Did you take time when you were playing the game to like look at their pictures in the house? 
I did look at some of the pictures and like I read the newspaper mainly to because it, it has clues about what's going on. Right. I don't know why I remember them saying something about like him owing someone money or or something or whatnot. No, no, no. You're you're spot on. It's like the conversation he's having on the phone is about like having to keep a contract, and it's just because like you know it's a it's a big deal. And in construction, you often don't have like a steady employer. You're an entrepreneur. You have your own business. You are being hired by a client. And if a client is like building a number of buildings, that can be really good, consistent work. So he's, he's not like doing super well, but clearly kind of, you know, making ends meet to a degree. He's basically like a modern day millennial <laughs> shout out to making me feel comfortable. Oh my like God. this is, we're all Joel a little bit. We're, we're all a little <laughs> bit Joel. Just we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> a, a little bit Joel rock and roll. <laughs> Dude, we all want to be singers. I know it's true. Um, so I wanted to call out here, especially about the pictures and some other things. But as I was researching this episode, there are some incredible, like, non-explicit, non-expositional storytelling in the house that didn't even register, like, really with me until now. And this is stuff like... Was it there's there's building plans laid on his bedside table and several copies of a book called Construction Regionalism. He also has a copy of everything you need to know about creating a startup on the table next to his oh. bed, which I'm like, what a great way of showing not telling, right? Or or there's a there's a um a treadmill in in their house. Like maybe maybe he's like so many of us and he like buys something like that and then never uses it. But it's it's funny to think about how uh, how much thought and care went into just the the contents of the house, you know. So there's a lot of really good stuff in in the house. It's cool to see sort of because in that early gameplay when you're playing as Sarah, you get to literally explore the remnants of Joel's life leading up to, of course, the events of Last of Us. Um, anything else you want to say about his sort of like pre last of us time? Well, one, one thing is like, there is a newspaper mm. uh, that does talk a little bit about what's going on. Yeah. Um, it does mention something about like the food supply and like some mysterious disease. So it, it like briefly hints at like, Hey, maybe there was something that was introduced into uh, the food supply that was, uh, that, that caused like, what what um eventually became the infection all right so we get to uh last of us because ultimately this is the uh the phone the newspaper all of this stuff is technically in the game and this is the timeline of the game so in september of 2013 he gets home from work um and that night is really when runners start appearing in austin uh, now i wanted to point out this moment joel like bursts into the house bloody and panicked uh, but it's not his blood because if it were there would be it's a very different game um and his neighbor bursts in and he ends up having to kill his neighbor and when i first saw this i was like oh that's such a brutal first introduction for sarah to this new world and also for joel because i i think he even says like uh he's like jimmy like don't you know, and he, he's really like calling the guy by name. Like he knows him. He knows he was like checking in on his neighbors when 
everything went down. But I was on the, the, the last of us wiki page and it said like his neighbor burst in and neighbor was a linked page. And I was like, (laughs) no, no way does no. And I clicked on it. Jimmy Cooper, Jimmy Cooper (laughs) is Joel's neighbor and he's got a whole page to himself. It doesn't say a lot, but, uh, (laughs) Hey man, listen. R.I.P. Hey man, Jimmy Cooper is an important person because technically Jimmy Cooper is that first kill. Well, it's 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 true that we know of that we Jimmy know of Cooper. allegedly, allegedly, yeah, it, yeah, allegedly <laughs> he he's the the gateway drug into the My murderous God. Joel of the last of us. Jimmy Cooper, why did you do this? Some quiet part of Joel was like, I always hated Jimmy Cooper, and this is what you get for letting your dog poop in my yard. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Brutal. So, uh, Jimmy Cooper bursts in and t- this is typical of Jimmy Cooper. Oh my God. And he's like, oh. and, and Joel has to kill him. Right. Naturally. Uh, so Joel and Sarah flee with Tommy, Joel's brother, and they get, uh, separated and a soldier acting reluctantly. And I don't actually quite get this because this is like clearly the beginning of quarantine zones and like controlling infections. But it's still a little weird to me that like the soldier decided to, or was like commanded to to kill them. Well, um, what I think about that is you're you're talking about like why the the military officials were just like taking out people. Yeah. Um, my guess is because um a few things. It was early stage, and they did not have enough information on what was actually going to happen to people. Because remember before. Uh, when they originally tried to take the back roads out of the town, they uh, got stopped right by the hospital and all those people burst out of the hospital and were like yanking people out of their cars. Right, right. And, and like, you know, biting them. So like, imagine inside of that hospital over there, there were medical professionals attempting to treat people who probably had like, you know, like fungal growths or like flu-like symptoms. These people probably killed them all. Right. And then ran out into the streets. So like at that point, the military is like, eh, eventually you could turn because like at that point, you don't even know, like, what is the method of uh, infection? It was just like, holy shit, this is going down here. Kill them all and we'll sort it out later. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say one thing, too, that is super symbolic that happens at this moment that uh, kind of resonates through the rest of the game. Yeah, is uh, when he actually refuses to listen to Joel and Joel is like, hey, you know, stop. We're fine. You know, whatever. And he decides to take the shot. He hits Sarah and he hits Sarah's watch that that she gave uh, Joel as a birthday present. Um, And you can see it has like the two bullet marks in it. Um, And so the watch breaks. But Joel continues to wear the watch through the rest of the game. And like, that's such a powerful symbol when you look at it, because the watch, the time stopped right at that moment. And so did Joel's time. Right. Yeah. Or and, and, and again, we, we will absolutely get into this. Um, I've got a theory about maybe that part of his life restarting at some point um, and that being a huge part of his character and his evolution throughout the game. So, uh, between that playable last playable moment and 2033, which is when the game picks up again in Boston, um, there are some different moments throughout the game that we kind of get some hints about what happens. 
Joel considers suicide, but and and he and Tommy are together during this part, uh, and they kind of team up and they're they're working together. Um, he considers suicide, but it, it says he he couldn't bring himself to do it, and he found something to live for, but something that like Tommy really really disliked, and it like caused some uh, some some tension between them. Based on the timeline that I've that I've kind of looked at, that I've read and researched, it seems like Joel and Tommy probably were both part of a hunter pack. Um, and later, Joel and Tommy smuggled themselves into Boston, and that's where Tommy left left him to join the Fireflies. And Joel didn't like that, and they got they had this big old fight, and they were like, "Well, we're never going to see each other again. Goodbye forever." Um, but in Boston now without his brother, this is where Joel meets Tess and they start this kind of life of smuggling. And then they meet Ellie in this timeline between Sarah's passing and, uh, Joel and Tommy splitting ways. I feel like Joel, we, we don't see this part of Joel's life, but Joel is clearly a young man who's in a lot of pain. You know, and, and we think about him as a hunter and we think about him among this pack of people who are putting traps for tourists and, and, and kind of being this violent, despicable person. By the time he meets Tess, you know, I feel like he's aged and he's gotten older and later on, and we'll talk about relationships in a bit, but later on when he reunites with Tommy, they're clearly in a different place, both of them. And a lot of this, I think, is just growing up, <laughs> like getting into their 40s and 50s, that fire of like, I don't know, adventure and rambunctiousness is maybe dimming a little bit. And so he starts being able to treat these interactions with a little bit more. He's still stubborn and kind of an asshole, but <laughs> he's able to like <laughs> interact with people as more of a more of a complete person, even if his you know heart and soul is still crushed. Yeah, like it is interesting that you yeah, you talk about like um he he's able to approach I guess people like a I guess it was more of a complete person. Um cuz you even see it at the beginning of the game. And I know we'll get into this in like a second, but like, you know, when they deal with when when Tess and Joel deal with Robert, um it's actually a, a part of the game uh where surprisingly Joel is the person that's like more in control emotionally Tess is the one who normally flies off the handle and just will shoot someone in the head where Joel is like, Hey, you know what? Luck runs out. Let's probably take things easy and like, you know, not be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Try try to be less crazy. All right. It's like, Joel, you killed Jimmy Cooper. (laughs) Like you're the craziest of them all. Okay. We're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. We interrupt this podcast for a preview for a different podcast. I'm Bruce, a regular contributor to Lore Party. In the unforgiving world of the gods, there is an endless, vicious cycle of fathers killing sons, brothers killing brothers, and sons killing mothers. But Kratos, the ghost of Sparta, looks to end that cycle with his son Atreus as they journey through the various realms of the Norse pantheon. Tune into our God of War episodes where my co-host Abu and I discuss the latest installment in the God of War series from 2018 and the insightful ways the game creates more depth in a beloved franchise. Just check out our lore party feed and search God of War. It should be easy to find. We now continue your regularly scheduled podcast. 
so so Joel is is the protagonist. We play as Joel. We are Joel. We we do the things that Joel does. It's great. Except he kills a lot of people. <laughs> and he lies a lot, but he kills a lot of people. And we spent a decent amount of time, probably too much time, looking into numbers. And it's it's really it's staggering. So I, w- I want to throw some I want to throw some some data your way. Got the facts and the figures. We got the facts and also not only the facts but also additionally the figures. Uh, so it's it, it is worth noting that a lot of the uninfected people that Joel kills take kind of first aggressive action towards him, and all of what we're about to say might just be a byproduct of the world. But again, Joel is much better at this stuff than most people. And could he get through some of these situations without killing as many people as he does? I mean, we just talked about the two guys in the basement or the cellar. Like, one of them he didn't have to, to kill. So, so you know, I, right. I think it's worth noting that there are some people he could have spared. Now, he, uh, there, there's this Reddit user, and I found the post. The Reddit user is Finrirada, Finriradra on uh on December 21st of 2018 points out that uh does some fantastic math. So basically in the Colorado University sequence it is pointed out that 60% as many as 60% of the world's population are dead or infected by the end of the first year of this this uh th- this outbreak. So we know that at its quote slowest the disease took 1 year to wipe out 60% of the population. Now in 2013, there was about 7.2 billion people. So that means that it's about 2.88 billion people within a year. Now, 20 years later, we don't have any new data from the game. The game doesn't say like, oh, and now there's this many people. And, you know, Lawrence, you and I had this great, um, you said something about the, the, the dry climates, right? Yeah, yeah. Because we were, we were talking about... Um... Yeah, like ways to to kind of tend to figure out how many people are left. And I think one of the things that we were we discussed was um, we had to take into consideration that the the uh, disease doesn't spread at the same rate uh, just based off of the decline. But also, we don't know. We only get, you know, America, a small portion of America. Right. But we don't look at um, like deserts because, you know, we know for a fact that um, these are as a fungus fungal infection. So. They need to be in like, you know, darker, uh, more like moist climates, which is why you see, um, you know, those real big packs of like runners and clickers and bloaters normally in basements. Right. And sewers uh, or, and like, stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like those those like kind of murky areas. So um, we don't we don't know if there are like larger pockets of people surviving in, you know, these kind of drier climates where um you know, these, these, uh, infected wouldn't thrive or super cold climates, right? Like Alaska or Antarctica or, or Greenland. So there's a lot to consider, but all of this, all of what we were talking about, this long conversation was to kind of figure out how many people are left in 2033 or 2034. And this Reddit user basically ballparks it at global population of 100,000 to 10 million. That could be far off. Uh, the math in their, their kind of post seems pretty spot on. 
uh, based on like quarantine zones and kind of what you expect, how many people were in Boston and then how many people are left. Knowing also, by the way, that quarantine zones are not just everybody who was in that city who survived. It's everybody in the surrounding areas who made it into the city. Also taking into account that uh, we don't know how many quarantine zones have failed, but we do know a considerable number have. Right. Yeah, that's true, too. Uh, Either because of fireflies or who knows, literally so many reasons could be the reason for these things falling apart. Um, You know, and and maybe all of the quarantine zones or most of the quarantine zones we've heard of are all of them like that's possible. So we get this ballpark of uh, 100,000 to 10 million people, which is which is a which is a possible global population. Now, the jump that I took was, let's say, hypothetically, because, you know, the United States is a pretty diverse geographical place. Uh, let's say that the infection, because it, it actually did hit other countries, other continents before it hit the United States. Let's say it hit the entire world approximately the same. In 2014, uh, 4% of the global population was here in the United States. So. If we look at that, that means that somewhere between 4,000 and 400,000 people remaining in the world are Americans, are, are here in the United States, uh, or are living in the United States, because I don't, I don't think nationality matters as much in this post-CBI world. Um, now, we found an article or a, or a, a Reddit user who put together that there are 565 killable enemies in The Last of Us. Which, if you look at the lower estimates of population, is as much as 14% of Americans. <laughs> like, and, and, and all of this is to say, you know, we, we understand that Joel is living one day to the next. He's not thinking this big picture. But think about every time you pull the trigger, you're like, there's 0.3% of people gone. Joel can, depending on how you play the game can kill 251 himself can kill 251 uninfected humans throughout this throughout this game which <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> that's a right. wild that's a wild number considering right. this is post apocalypse and every you know uh i think we've all learned from the documentary game of thrones that every dead is a member now of the undead, which is not exactly the rules of Last of Us, but still, every person who's dead is no longer someone who can fight against the army of infected CPI. That's a lot of people. <laughs> that's, yeah. And that's a lot of people who have guns, who have training. He also does kill, as we've pointed out, three, up to, well, at least one, but up to three, like, neurosurgeons. <laughs> It's insane when you when you start to look at the numbers. Like 200, what do you say, 256? Yeah, two, uh, 251 uninfected humans is, is, is the total possible kill count for Joel. Like, without flinching, without <laughs> any sort of, like, you know, negative effect, Joel definitely sleeps at different points in this game. On, like, an uncomfortable couch, too. Not even... <laughs> right, like, Joel could, yeah, he could sleep on, like, a bed of rocks and some, like, broken bottles and just be like, <laughs> yeah, I slept like a baby and then I'm gonna go kill, like, 15 more people today. And, like, the the funny thing about it is when you he kills all those people 
And it's just like without a thought. But the thing that he finds most ridiculous is like Ellie being like saying that quote from that comic book after they killed people. You know, it's like to the uh, end of the universe and beyond something, something for survival. And he was just like, back to mass murder. It's great. Right. And then before that, it's like, I mean, this guy has one hell of a post apocalyptic resume because you think about it. We go to questionable hunter time right. to smuggler yeah. to just like death bringing demon man <laughs> traveling through the world with this like mm-hmm. little kid trying to get her to, um, you know, this hospital. Yeah. Plague it, of plague it, of plague of frogs sent by God. Otherwise oh known as God, Joel. Yeah, just, <laughs> just taking out everything and then you just can't kill the man to, to save your life. It's it's insane. And like, I know that we're, we're talking about killing most, you know, a lot, but we also were, you know, we brought up killing and lying. I think lying is uh, lying fits well into this section because, you know, not to, you know, be too much of a, uh, a shrink, but I feel like Joel, the biggest lie is the lie that Joel tells to himself. Oh, my God. It's OK. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but like in all seriousness joel lies to himself i mean joel lies to to everyone like a bastard like that dude will look you right in the face and tell you a stone cold lie like the sky is green but he is lying i think he's lying to himself i mean he's like you know it's okay this is how life is you just move on right like Joel lies to himself so so constantly that it's, it's easy to lie to everybody else because like it's just like whatever. Like we tell the lies we have to to get to tomorrow. Yeah, and that is his that is Joel 100%. Yeah. Wow. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Fuck Jimmy Cooper. Am I right? What a piece of shit. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, God, this is going to be such an interesting edit. Oh, it's so fucking long. God he was, he, he literally, Jimmy Cooper, one not, one time, he was backing out of his, his like, you know, like, <laughs> like, like a driveway, right? And I watched his truck scuff my fence, talked to him about it, said it didn't happen. So I'm glad he's dead. He deserved it. <laughs> anyway. All right. I'm, I'm stopping recording. <laughs> <laughs> Me too.